Luca and Zach, it is great to have you here discussing the 71st Emmys that are coming up, and specifically our nomination predictions in the four movie slash limited series acting categories. So Luca, who are the six people that you are predicting for outstanding lead actor in a limited series or movie? So in first place, I currently have Mahershala Ali. I don't think he's a lock, but I think he's pretty safe because he just won his second Oscar and because True Detective is in, well, he has an incredibly showy role in True Detective. After that, I have Sam Rockwell for Fosse Verdon, again, because he's playing a real life person. And he's also just coming off of Oscar buzz for Vice. Then I have Hugh Grant for A Very English Scandal. Then Benicio Del Toro for um, Escape at Denimora. Then I have Ian McShane for Deadwood. And finally, I have uh, Gerald Jerome for When They See Us, which is a risky prediction, but he's incredible in it. And I think if people see it, they will nominate him or check him off on the ballot. And Zach, do you agree with that assessment? Not necessarily. Um, I, <laughs> well, here's the thing. I. Uh, I think that Mahershala will probably get nominated since uh, he's a two-time Oscar winner. But I have a feeling that the overall reception to True Detective might keep him from actually winning. Um, yeah. I think that he'll get in. Uh, I don't know who to predict to win that right now. I put Ian McShane at number one as sort of a, uh, you know, maybe he'll get a makeup win for never having won for the series. Um, and uh, I think that, you know, the fact that he's been working so much recently he's in american gods right now maybe uh there's enough actors who might want to reward this guy who's been around for so long um after that i mean i'm struggling to figure out who to put in here i've got sam rockwell i've got mahershala i've got hugh grant i've got jared harris for chernobyl uh and i've got anthony hopkins in at six for king lear but I mean, that could easily go to Benedict Cumberbatch in Brexit or Benicio Del Toro in Escape at Danamora. Uh, or uh, as, as you said, Luca, uh, Gerald Jerome for When They See Us. Um, you know, I'm just I'm trying to get a, a gauge on uh, how well that show does overall with nominations. Yes. Yeah, this is a, a strong category. Very strong. Yeah. I, I just can't tell who's going to win. Uh, once those... Uh, reviews came out for When They See Us, and they were all raving about Gerald Jerome. I thought, okay, well, here you go. He kind of follows in the footsteps of Riz Ahmed or Darren Chris last year, where you've got this breakout performance by a young guy in a show that the Emmys, you know, we think will really enjoy. Then I watched uh, When They See Us, and, you know, he is great in it, but he's also not really in the first three mm -hmm. episodes. I mean, they're submitting him in lead because he's absolutely the lead of the finale. But I feel like that's actually just to compensate for how little they use his character before that. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's um, it's a hard thing to do because, I mean, obviously these five characters are the lead of the show. But uh, because of the fact that they start off as young men and then grow into uh, older men, you have to use different actors. And so, I mean, that kind of... Yeah. Um, you know, that, that makes it hard. It's sort of like a lion situation, you know, with uh, Dev Patel, who was in, uh, I think, uh, 90 minutes of the movie, but ended up in supporting. Because, mm -hmm. uh, like, he came in later than the little kid who was playing the same character. So, I mean, it's really, it's a bizarre situation. I, I, 
I would struggle as an awards uh, as an awards consultant on like where to place those guys um, within the categories. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. Go ahead. I, I think what they ended up doing was they didn't submit most of the children. Yeah, uh, yeah. They've they've submitted Gerald Jerome just because he was so relatively old, you know, in the earlier scenes that they actually just use him for the later scenes as well. So mm-hmm. he is kind of a through line, but like the, the third episode catches up with um, all of the Central Park Five after, uh, after the trial, except they just do four of them. And then the finale is all about Daryl Jerome, but he misses yeah. the entire third episode, which none of the other characters uh, can say. So I put him in my predictions when I read the reviews and then I took him out when I watched the show just because I think it's, it's too risky how he has no name recognition and this is coming out at the very end of Emmy eligibility. So even if voters sample the series, that won't be good enough. They have to watch the whole thing the whole in thing. the next two weeks. Yeah. yeah, that actually convinced me to perhaps unfortunately drop him, but those are very good arguments, especially when we have people like Anthony Hopkins and Benedict Cumberbatch who could get in on name check alone, whether people liked or saw their projects. And as for the win, I I agree with you, Zach. I don't think Mahershala Ali is a lock at all to win. I think he's very vulnerable. I think there may be some fatigue for him after, you know, he swept the award circuit for uh, Green Book. And because, you know, True Detective wasn't widely acclaimed or why I don't it was seen but I don't think it had a lot, uh, a lot of passion. Um, so that does worry me. He's a good placeholder, number one. I mean, like he could very easily win. Um, yeah, of course. Uh, you know, Sam Rockwell, same kind of thing. He's a recent Oscar winner as well, and a recent nominee just this past year. So, um, yeah, I mean, my my number one is uh, maybe a little bit of wishful thinking because mm-hmm. um, I think that uh, it's one of the great injustices in Emmy history that McShane never won for playing Al Swearingen, but um, and he stepped twice. I know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you know, he could get his due if that wins TV movie because he's a producer on it, along with Timothy Oliphant, who is also yeah. competing in lead. And um, I mean, never got nominated for uh, for the show before. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see if they can get multiple leading men in. I don't know if they will. It's it's a tough thing for any show to do, uh, but especially in a category that is this stacked um it it might be damn near impossible yeah and i'm very curious to see if jared harris uh, gets in because i think chernobyl will perform very well across the board um his performance is very subtle but it's more there's more range in his performance than i thought before that i initially thought would be in it before i actually watched the show but it worries me that he did not get nominated for the crown, I must say. Even if that doesn't matter, it's just something that came to my mind the other day. That came to mind the other day. Well, I think for him, the uh, thing that worries me the most, and I, I think he's really great in the show. Yeah, he is. But um, he's barely in the first episode. I mean, he's he's in like the first scene and the last scene. And so yeah. um, it's a very dramatic opening. But if voters don't watch past that, they might not That's, think to nominate him. Yeah. Uh, and he's not a name check nominee. I yeah. think that could end up being a problem if they do only watch the first episode. But then That's again, it. I mean, 
Oh, like, like I've actually moved him up to third just because mm -hmm. I figured that Chernobyl is strong in the limited series race. Yeah. And I think the finale is what clinches it for him. Not that the finale has aired yet, so that's a little risky, but he does get to save everyone. Yeah. So I, I feel like... Spoiler, we... <laughs> Chernobyl had Chernobyl did not wipe out the world, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I was going to say, uh, you know, on the other hand, as we talked about in another video, um, Chernobyl seems to be uh, becoming a stronger and stronger contender overall, which uh, could help him, especially considering that he's one of only... I think three name actors who are in the entire cast. Um, so that uh, if, if actors like the show, uh, they might not uh, have too many places to, uh, to go to uh, nominate it in. Yeah. And then I'll throw in Peter Dinklage because the Academy, the TV Academy loves Peter Dinklage and the final season of Game of Thrones just concluded. And I wouldn't be surprised if they, just gave him a lazy name check uh, nomination here. And I people actually liked his performance in my dinner with Hervé. So, you know, I yeah, don't want to discredit his... for him to win. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> really I wouldn't want to. Yeah, I don't have him in either. Yeah. And then there's Christopher Abbott in Catch-22, another show that we're not sure how, we're not sure about how it'll perform. And he also has the problem, the same problem that Jared Harris might have, which is that he's not like a name check nominee, which is, isn't always a problem, but Catch-22 may not resonate with Emmy voters as much as some of these other shows. I've got Sam Rockwell in fifth and Ian McShane in sixth. They, they should be, you know, obvious nominees, but, you know, it's a strong category. I feel like people are not talking about Sam Rockwell the way that they are talking about Michelle Williams. Absolutely. And with the kind of apathetic uh, reception to that show in general, I'm wondering if he's actually not that safe. In terms of Ian McShane, uh, I feel a little bit apprehensive about betting on a TV movie in any category outside of mm. TV movie, uh, first of all. But then in the movie, uh, I was also struck by how he's kind of just in bed for half of it. Whereas, you know, Timothy Oliphant is out shooting people up and crying. And there's Ian McShane just waltzing about on his balcony or going to sleep. Well, I think that uh, it's more so uh, a lot of memories of the character. You know what I mean? Like the memory of Al Swearingen uh, looms so large in any Deadwood fan. Um, you know, uh, and it is kind of interesting to see, uh, not to give anything away for people who haven't watched the movie yet, because uh, it hasn't premiered yet, but I mean, it's interesting to see this character who was so strong and dynamic throughout the show, uh, bedridden, and, um, you know, I don't know if I can spell that, uh, but uh, I'm going to get killed for this video. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but I think that that could help him. Um, you're right, though. I mean, uh, Predicting a TV movie outside of a TV movie category is kind of risky, which could also hurt the Cumberbatch or Anthony Hopkins or um, Peter Dinklage, you know. Um, but at the same time, there could be that sort of name recognition that uh, that helps them out. All right, so we'll move on to the lead actress category. Uh, I think we probably all have uh, Michelle Williams and Patricia Arquette. Amy Adams. I think then it starts to get a little bit muddied. Yes. Uh, what about how do we feel about Emma Stone all these months later 
after nobody really cared about Maniac, but everybody saw it, and she's Emma Stone. I, I think that... Go ahead. I, well, you know, she's an Academy Award winner, and I, I think that um, that just sort of helps you, even if your show is not really uh, talked about at all. And considering that this category after the top three kind of falls off a bit, um, that could make all the difference in the world between her getting a nomination or not. Just the fact that she is a movie star um, and uh, they might they just would want to have her come to the show. Um, yeah, and if people actually watch the show, she's actually really good in it. I mean, she doesn't get to actually uh, stand out until the second episode. The first episode is more Jonah Hill's showcase, but uh, she really um, does an incredible job in the second episode. So if they watched it, uh, she might also um, get nominated. I just fear, again, that Maniac aired such a long time ago, which may not hurt Amy Adams for Sharp Objects, but I think Sharp Objects will get much more love from the TV Academy than Maniac will. So Emma Stone is vulnerable, I would say. I think I moved, I had her at, in third place earlier on, like in February when the prediction center opened, but I've moved her down to like fifth or sixth place for now. But again, I mean, if we're talking about, you know, nominating uh, like Connie Britton and Dirty John, then I, <laughs> I think that maybe, <laughs> maybe- uh, well, Stone, What show is she in? <laughs> Dirty John. <laughs> I'm sorry, Connie, but I, I, I know you're watching this right now, so. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I, I think that the three that I have in there right now are Emma Stone. I have Joey King from The yes. Act, yes. Um, which, uh, you know, that show uh, hit at the right time. And speaking as somebody who did an interview with her, um, you know, it really is a transformative performance. And I think if people meet her in real life, they'll be uh, even more impressed by what she does in this. And then in sixth place, I have Juliana Margulies for The Hot Zone, uh, which I think is a show that um, when it is finally released could be very popular with Emmy voters. And she is a two-time Emmy winner. Uh, so she's in the club and uh, that might help her eke out a nomination. Yes. And I, I totally agree about Joey King. I think she's uh, getting nominated. I was not sure about uh, her getting in, you know, before the act started or even when it had started. But after the, I, I finished the season, after I saw all the buzz surrounding her performance, I put her in because sometimes visibility and passion is are two factors that can tip you over the edge and get you into this category. And it helps that her, you know, she was in movies like The Kissing Booth before, movies that didn't really allow her to display her range. And then in the act, she really gets to do everything and really gives this transformative performance. And you know what, she's playing opposite an Academy Award winner, an Emmy Award winner, and really is just as incredible as her. And I think she's getting in. And I also have Juliana Margulies in uh, the last spot uh, at the moment for the same reasons that you mentioned. Now, who do you guys think is going to win? I have Michelle Williams at number one. I know Patricia Arquette oh, wow. won all of the uh, early awards, but um, I think that maybe um, this could be the start of Michelle Williams actually you know, winning the Emmy, followed by the Golden Globe, followed by the SAG, uh, as opposed to Patricia Arquette winning the Golden Globe, the SAG, and then the Emmy. Um, what do you guys think? I think Fozzie Verdon's uh, a bit too niche. Yeah. 
I, I agree. And I think Escape of Denimore will perform uh, better overall. And uh, Patricia Arquette gives this incredible, incredibly transformative performance. Uh, you know, I don't, and she's won everything. Well, here's, all, here's also my uh, reasoning. Uh, Patricia Arquette, as we'll talk about later, is in uh, another category yeah, that, that she could win. Do you think that maybe uh, voters may say, all right, well, we're going to give her, we can give her one in supporting and then give Lee to somebody else? Because I know that Fosse Verdon is niche, but the thing that people have talked about over and over again is, like you say, Michelle Williams. And I mean, she's, again, somebody who's a movie star. Um, she's uh, never won an Emmy before. Patricia Arquette already has one. So maybe that could be a way for them to spread the wealth a bit. That does worry me because splitting the vote across categories is absolutely possible. And uh, the last time someone won two Emmys in one night was a very long time ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and if she does win supporting actress, then it might be difficult for her to win lead actress because as you said, some people may give her the vote in, the, in lead actress and others in uh, the supporting actress category. But I think it'll come down to how well Fosse Verdon performs and how well Escape at Denimore performs. Because if the one gets, I don't know, 14 nominations and the other one gets, let's say, four or five, mm -hmm. then I think it's pretty obvious where the support lies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that, like, my theory is that if you give two really strong performances, you would award them in lead. Uh, as opposed to supporting, like you would recognize the, some of their contributions with the kind of better award uh, mm -hmm. than giving them uh, the lesser one and using kind of the higher up award as a consolation prize. But yeah, it's it's very possible. And I mean, uh, Michelle Williams, she might go on a sweep later in the year too. I just feel like uh, Patricia Arquette, she's won everything and she's got a great narrative and good year. So I, I don't have a lot of reasons to bet against her, I feel. Yeah. Uh, I'm more cynical about Joey King than you guys are. I feel like they'll just, maybe at the Oscars, they would embrace such a performance from a young actress. But here at the Emmys in the TV movie and limited series categories, I, I think they're just going to fall back on their uh, more reliable names like Juliana Marklase or Connie Britton. Yeah. And uh, for Amy Adams, I think had Amy had Adams won the Globe and then the Critics' Choice and then the SAG Award, I think we'd be having a completely different conversation at the moment, of course. Uh, but it just feels like the show has lost a lot of its momentum after Adams lost all those awards. And it's, again, it's a shame because she could have won last year had HBO aired the series a bit earlier. But I feel like she's probably in third place. I still have her in second, but I do think Michelle Williams may be stronger than her because she is, because Fosse Verdon is airing at the moment and a lot of people are talking about her performance. Uh, so let me, uh, we were talking about this uh, off air, but um, why is Niecy Nash in lead for when they see us? Is, she was campaigning and supporting before. And I mean, is that, a good move move on her part, do you guys think? Or did she just cost herself a potential win? I have no idea what's going on there. Yeah. Uh, Luca kind of mentioned how Emma Stone isn't in the first episode of Maniac. And I feel like that's actually coming up uh, a few times in this chat where we've got these lead performers who are not actually in the first episodes of their shows, which is bizarre. 
Niecy Nash is actually not in very much of any episode of When They See Us. Yeah. Uh, she's definitely in the finale more than the other episodes, but it's not a performance that I would even predict to win supporting. And I don't think that by moving away from supporting, they're giving Vera Farmiga a better shot at the win. I think it's just out of reach. So yeah. I'm not sure what's to be gained here. Yeah, because yeah, I, 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 I guess they're trying to, like you say, clear the category and supporting by moving one of the performances up to lead so they can potentially get maybe two wins. But uh, I mean, it's about the Central Park Five, so I, I don't I don't think there's a lead actress in the yeah. show. You know, I mean, um, I think that they're all supporting those five characters, those five men. Yeah. Um, so it just seems uh, uh, kind of odd, honestly. Yeah, she only has like five minutes of screen time in the first episode. And even Emma Stone has more screen time in her first episode. She just gets to stand out in the second one then. And Nisi Nash, as Riley already said, she really has the finale and where she has a lot of screen time and she's incredible in the finale, but that just isn't enough. When I watched it, uh, I was I kept asking myself, why would they move her into the lead category where she could have easily gotten a supporting actress uh, nomination. And it kind of pains me to actually see her um, move because she, as I said, she really gives a great performance or arguably gives a great performance in the finale. It'll be interesting to see though, if uh, When They See Us is able to hit in all these categories. So, and I mean, Nisi Nash has gotten a couple unexpected nominations in recent years. Yes. That's yeah, I mean, I guess maybe it's between her and uh... Connie Britton and Dirty John for that. Uh, that last and one. I guess we should mention Ruth Wilson for Mrs. Wilson, who uh, kind of shot up in our odds uh, in the last few weeks. Again, it's I think it's a story about her personal life, but I don't know how many people actually saw the show. And I believe it's on PBS. So I think, as I said, visibility might be a problem. And then I'll throw in Carla Gugino for The Haunting of Hill House who again is a supporting player or arguably supporting player who moved to the lead category. And again, I don't think the show will perform well, but she's probably in the top 10, top 15 at least. That one I kind of understand just because there's so many in support. Yeah, that's, yeah, 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 that's true. Zach, what do you think about the Deadwood lead actresses, Molly Parker and Paula Malcolmson? Oh, man. Uh, I understand why they're going in lead, because uh, they wanted to put Robin Weigert and Kim Dickens in supporting. Um, I feel like, I mean, if, if one's going to get nominated, it would probably be Paula Malcolmson, because she has the juicier role. Um, but I don't know if she'll be able to uh, compete with all these other uh, uh, contenders. Um, it, the Deadwood movie would have to get, like, rave reviews and have to just perform well across the map, which I think it potentially can um and certainly she does have a really juicy role in it um but uh, i don't know i mean i could see her being that six spot uh nominee uh let's not forget i mean this woman uh has been in television for a very long time she just finished up uh, being on ray donovan where she got rave reviews so uh, it could be her time to get nominated um on the other hand molly parker's a previous Emmy nominee for House of Cards, but she doesn't have nearly as much to do uh, as Paula Malcolmson does. Yeah, I could see Deadwood getting anywhere from zero to five acting nominations. 
Yeah. Uh, that still wouldn't include Molly Parker, though, just because she doesn't really have much to do. She, she looks for Lauren and... Yeah, I mean, I know, you know, I mean, there's... Uh, she does a lot with what she has to do, but she's not a driving force in the plot, we should say. I mean, it is more of a supporting performance, um, when especially when compared to Paula Malcolmson. All right, what about in Supporting Actor? How are you feeling about Gerald McCraney's chances at a nomination, given that he is a recent Emmy winner and he's the big bad of the movie? It's maybe one of the showiest performances. I have him getting in. I even have him in my second place because he is such a driving force in the, fil in the film. And uh, like you said, I mean, uh, he's a recent Emmy winner for This Is Us, so he's in the club. Um, and it's a really juicy performance. I mean, he's very prominently featured in there. Um, and so I, I think he's definitely going to get in. Whether or not he wins, I'm not sure. But he could be a challenger to Ben Weishaw, uh, who I know is leading our odds right now. Yes. Um, who I currently have in first place is actually Paul Dano for Escape at uh, Denimora. And before we talk about Nisi Nash, who moved from uh, the supporting race to the lead race, here it's the other way around, where we had uh, a, who, a lead actor going into the supporting category, which I think will benefit him in this case, because he is you know, one of the two inmates that uh, escaped from the prison. And it's a very interesting performance because at times it's subtle and at other times, like in the finale, he really gives this loud and flamboyant performance. So I think there's a possibility that he could win and unseat Ben Wishaw, where again, I'm not sure how very, a very English scandal, if a lot of Emmy voters actually saw it. If they did see it, then there's a very good chance Wishaw could win, especially after his Golden Globe and Critics' Choice Award wins. See, I actually think that this race is now going to be between Ben Wishaw, just because he's won everything, and Michael Kenneth Williams, who mm. has a pretty juicy, uh, clearly supporting role, unlike uh, you know Paul Dano and Ben Wishaw. But uh, you know, he's been nominated a couple times for not the most uh, obvious performances to get an Emmy nomination. But I feel like there's a lot of respect for him having been in The Wire, mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, when they see us, could. Uh, do really well with actors. Yeah, and, I have him in my five uh, and yeah. uh, in my third place ranking right now for the reasons you said. Um, you know, I mean, if, especially if that show does take off and start winning everything, um, certainly he's somebody who could benefit from that. Yeah, and he also he could benefit from the fact that he is incredible in the first perform in the first episode, and he really gives this loud performance uh, in the first episode and has a not Beatty's storyline throughout the show, but he has a storyline that will resonate with uh, audiences. Now in my fifth and sixth spots, I've got George Clooney and Kyle Chandler from Catch-22, yeah. more so just off of name recognition um, yes. than anything else. Um, I'm just, do you guys think there's uh, any chance for any of these other contenders to get in over uh, any of the six that we've already mentioned? I think Eric Lang might have a chance of getting in because I still think Danamore will uh, do very well overall. And I think he could just go along for the ride and he doesn't have a lot of screen time, but it's another incredibly transformative performance. And if people actually know who Eric Lang is, they'll be shocked by his transformation because he doesn't look anything like himself and doesn't sound like himself at all. 
And he has a great moment in the finale. And I think the show was seen, but this field gets more crowded with each passing day, which is why I had to take him out of my predictions. Yeah, I had to take him out. And I also had to take out Stellan Skarsgård. And Chernobyl is really only about three people. So it yes. seems very obvious that you know all three of them should get in, especially since they're all in different categories. But you know, you have people like George Clooney, who isn't necessarily in a lot of Catch-22, but it's a loud performance, and he has uh, the narrative that uh, you know he directed and produced the thing. So I, I had to take Stellan Skarsgård out. I did add John Leguizamo recently. He was mm -hmm. nominated last year unexpectedly, and like I said, I think When They See Us is a show that will resonate with actors. Um, maybe the timing is not right to get them lead nominations, but John Leguizamo, he's uh, in a similar role as Michael Kenneth Williams as, uh, and Nisi Nash as uh, one of the parents, and he's you know consistently there supporting um, you know one of the boys from the Central Park Five. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I should put him in here somewhere. Yeah. And let's not forget this category. I mean, last year we had seven nominees. So again, we could see this category have more than six nominees this year, which is why I think we should uh, watch out for Chris Messina. Should Sharp Objects overperform, even though I've kind of given up on predicting him because I don't think the show has enough buzz at the moment to actually get him in. And then, you know, Stephen Dorff in True Detective is... Not a co-lead to Mahershala Ali, but he does have a lot of screen time and has the showy performance that uh, Mahershala has as well. So there's a possibility for him to get in. And he is well. now but, their only submission in that category. Yeah, exactly. Since they didn't submit Scoot McNary. And well, I guess if one other contender, again, it's wishful thinking and I don't think it'll happen, but Oliver Jackson Cohen was incredible in The Haunting of Hill House. And that's all I'll say. I thought you yes, were going to say Hutton. Well, yeah. It seems but, a little more, I mean, that seems a little more um, uh, like possible since he is a Oscar winner and an Emmy Oscar, nominee. Yeah. You know, that could, that could, I could see that happening uh, possibly. Yeah. yeah. The Emmys do that sometimes. That's uh, Kyle Chandler is another one who is not really in the first episode. He kind of trades off with George Clooney. George Clooney is, uh, you know, he's very front-loaded. He's pretty much yelling and dancing for the first three minutes of Catch-22. So he immediately makes an impression, but then he leaves and doesn't return for another several episodes while Kyle Chandler becomes the kind of main um, antagonist of the mm -hmm. series. Uh, I think that it's a loud enough performance and he is somebody that the Emmys like and it is uh, prestige project that voters might check out or at least respect. So I have them both getting in, but I'm not entirely sure about it. Well, you know, this could be one of those looming tower situations where you remember that mm -hmm. came on and I think there were like three supporting actor contenders that people I, were talking no, about yeah. and they only ended up with one. So, I mean, this could be a, a very similar type of situation where uh, maybe they're, you know, we're predicting them because of their name recognition, but if the show is not as popular uh, as it's uh, intended to be, um, they might only end up with one or none, who knows? Um, I think that, I mean, so in order to get like those people versus OJ Simpson type nominations in this category, 
um, your show has to be like really popular because that means yeah. that people are like checking off uh, your show in multiple uh, in multiple slots, you know. And so uh, that's why it's really risky to be predicting more than one acting contender within a category, you know. Yeah. At least the uh, rule book did some of the work for us by disqualifying Hugh Laurie. My God. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Hugh Laurie just. <laughs> We also saw another disqualification recently in the supporting actress field, where I think we all had Elizabeth Perkins getting in for Sharp Objects, given that we all have Sharp Objects getting a limited series nomination, and she got a Critics' Choice nomination. But I feel like that category is just constantly thinning out. You know, you have Niecy Nash randomly moving up to lead. You've got the Felicity Huffman scandal dropping, so suddenly she's no longer a contender, and now they're actually not even going to have her on the ballot. Uh, but it does have a very strong duo at the top of mm -hmm. uh, Patricia's, I would say, of Patricia Arquette in The Act and Patricia Clarkson in When They See, or um, uh, Sharp Objects. Can you just remind our, our viewers why uh, uh, Elizabeth Perkins had to drop out, what the rule was that happened there? Yeah, absolutely. That's a good idea. Uh, years ago, I think back in 2006, uh, Ellen Burson, she was nominated for her 15-second performance in a TV movie, uh, Mrs. Harris, on HBO. So since then, the Academy doesn't want to be embarrassed like that again. So they say that now you have to be in at least 5% of whatever limited series or TV movie that you're you know, supposed to be eligible for. But it has ended up taking out a lot of people like Elizabeth Perkins, who I think is actually in like 19 minutes or so of Sharp Objects, yeah. which is very different from 15 seconds. But given that it was so many episodes, she did not clear the 5% mark. Yeah. Yeah. Is, you know, the Emmys giveth and then they taketh away. That's true. I think the category is very interesting because after the Globes and, and after Critics' Choice, I thought Patricia Clarkson, it would be very easy for her to win this. But then I saw Patricia Arquette's performance uh, in the act, and I think she's a strong competitor. The reason why I switched back to Patricia Clarkson, though, is because is the fact that Arquette is competing in two different categories. And Zach, you mentioned it before. It really uh, worries me that she'll split the vote with herself uh, across the two categories. And I just feel like Clarkson is in the right position at the moment, having won everything else and having the momentum. Even if her performance, you know, they're playing the same character. I mean, this is not the same character, but they both suffer from Munchausen syndrome by proxy. So it's a very interesting, um, it's very interesting to see them competing against uh, each other because one performance is loud, the other one is more subtle. See, I have a twist that I which thought one? I, yeah. Which one? Well, I would which say, one's the quiet one? Well, Clarkson isn't quiet, but I would say it's quieter than Arquette because Arquette is, you know, like smashing laptops with a hammer and tying her daughter to a bed. While Clarkson, you know, she's like whispering half the time. It's that that doesn't mean it's a subtle performance, but I it's not as loud and showy as Arquette's, in my opinion. See, that's why I have Arquette winning is for all those yeah. reasons. It's a really showy performance yeah. and uh, transformative, and it's all those. Uh, different things that uh, awards voters just love to see from actors. Um, so uh, I, I have her uh, winning it. Yeah. Who knows? She could be that person who uh, uh, wins two in one night, which we haven't so. seen in uh, several several years, as we've said over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I actually, I think that 
she might have a better chance of winning for this one than uh, for the other. Just because I think that Patricia Clarkson being her main competition, uh, the fact that Sharp Objects has kind of faded from memory a little bit might help Patricia Arquette because the act is just aired. Uh, so, yeah. And then I think I have Vera Farmiga in uh, third place. You know, before I watched the show, I was, you know, a little unsure because she was snubbed for Bates Motel four times in a row after she was nominated for the first season. But after you watch the show, I think she's safe, a safe bet for a nomination because she has a lot of screen time in the show's uh, second episode and is playing a, a character. It's a very difficult role to uh, inhabit. Uh, I don't think she'll win, but she seems to be a safe bet for a nomination. She's almost an evil Marsha Clark, like uh, exactly. Sarah Paulson and people versus OJ Simpson. They've got the same wig. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> That's, it absolutely reminded me of that. And yeah, yeah, I also have her in third. Uh, underneath her, I've got Emily Watson for Chernobyl, which is kind of a strange pr prediction just because Emily Watson has kind of played similar characters in uh, other projects of similar prestige several times over the last few years, and she never gets nominated. But this year, I just don't know who else to go for. You know, I've got Emma Thompson for King Lear, just because Emma Thompson sometimes gets random TV movie nominations. And in, yeah. like I should be predicting Eliza Scanlon for Sharp Objects, but I just feel like she's too young. Yeah. I've got uh, Emma Thompson in there for the same reason. I mean, I think name recognition alone will help her get in. Um, and I've got Emily Watson in there as well, because uh, I think that there's sort of a, uh, a lack of competition that could help yeah. her, <laughs> um, you know. Uh, I also put in Robin Weiger from the Deadwood yes. movie, which, I mean, could be a bit of wishful thinking on my part. But again, I mean, I think that uh, Deadwood, like Riley said, could get between zero and five acting nominations. And I think that she's the, um, the standout of the supporting actresses. And certainly she has the most pronounced arc um, of any of them, which could help yeah. her. And the, what could help Robin Weigert is that fact that Big Little Lies season two airs, you know, in on, starts on June 9th and she is will be in the second season. So she'll have the visibility right when Emmy voting uh, takes place. And about Emily Watson, she's actually on the ballot twice. She's on it for Chernobyl and for King Lear. But thankfully, I don't think anyone is going to vote for her uh, for King Lear because I think Chernobyl is the stronger force in this case. And her performance is very interesting because, again, it's a very quiet performance. It's at times very subtle, but I think it's an important character. And in the end, if people watch the entire miniseries, I think they'll feel very inclined to vote for her. Now, how about these people like Sally Field and Maniac and uh, Sissy Spacek and Castle Rock? Those are both oh, yeah. Oscar winners, and I think they're both Emmy winners as well. Yeah. So, I mean, what's, uh, like, what do we think about that? Well, I had Sally Field in at the beginning, just, you know, name check nominee. But at this point, I'm, this race, uh, as we said, it keeps changing every single day. And I don't know if name check is enough to get her in. I think Maniac really needs a lot of passion and a lot, uh, you know, it needs a lot of people that will vote for it in other categories to check her off here as well. Because we saw last year in several categories that you need more than just a name to get in sometimes. 
which I think um, could be her problem. And Sissy Spacek in Castle Rock, I don't think Castle Rock landed at all. I think she has a better chance of getting into drama supporting actress for Homecoming Mm -hmm. because that's a show that will do better than Castle Rock. But who knows if they don't know who to check off and then they see Sissy Spacek in a, you know, show based on a Stephen King novel, they might just check it off, but I'm not sure. And, or go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. And as for Eliza Scanlon, I actually have her in my top six just because her character is so important and because she did drop the, you know, don't taunt mama at the very end of the show, which is a line that became, you know, pretty popular after the episode aired. And I do think a lot of people actually uh, really liked her performance. I don't think it's a lock because as Riley said, she's very young, but Mm -hmm. with Elizabeth Perkins now gone, I think she could get in. Yeah, it certainly helps her that her, some of her competition's gone. But I still wonder, I mean, about how uh, well Sharp Objects is going to do overall if they are yes. going to be able to get multiple acting nominees aside from Amy Adams and Patricia Clarkson. Yes. So, Riley, while you were uh, gone, we talked about uh, Sally Field. <laughs> no, no, just Philly, and we talked about Sally Field and um, about uh, Emily Watson and the fact that she's on the ballot twice. And Sissy Spacek. Or, and Sissy Spacek. So what are your thoughts? I, I just can't imagine people watching Maniac and voting for Sally Field. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's overthinking it. But I, I guess uh, w- one last name I'll throw out is uh, Victoria Pedretti for yes. The Haunting of Hill yes. House. Yes. Yes. Uh, just because uh, she's the focus of the episode, The Bent Neck Lady, which mm-hmm. everyone remembers what that is. It's also the most popular episode. And we did see that that uh, just translated to an MTV uh, Movie Award nomination. Yeah, And those and always have a lot of overlap with the, <laughs> the Emmy Awards. No, I didn't mean that to sound dumb. I uh, think she's very deserving. Just, yes. But the uh, problem with The Haunting of Hill House is that they have so many people in supporting actress. We have so, there are so many deserving contenders like Kate Siegel as well. She's incredible. But if they had one supporting actress, then maybe they, she'd stand a chance, but with so many, you know, they might just split the vote. And just one other person I would like to mention is Julia Garner for Dirty John. My favorite I mean, show. <laughs> <laughs> if she's winning drama supporting actress, which I think she will, you know, why uh, voters might just see her name here for Dirty John and they might check off Connie Britton and then they might, you know, Check off Julia Garner as well. She's always a possibility. I mean, she's a possibility now. 